May we turn to God in prayer for his spirit to open our hearts and minds and souls to his word and what that word can mean for us today and always. Gracious almighty God, we're grateful for your presence in our lives through your Holy Spirit. And we pray that Holy Spirit be active today at this moment as we hear your word read, proclaimed. We pray that what we hear may have an impact upon our lives to draw us closer to you and your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today comes from Psalm 119, verses 137 through 144. Righteous are you, O Lord, and your laws are right. The statutes you have laid down are righteous, or the statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. My zeal wears me out, for my enemies ignore your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested, and your servant loves them. Though I am lowly and despised, I do not forget your percepts. Your righteousness is everlasting, and your law is true. Trouble and distress have come upon me, but your commands are my delight. Your statutes are forever right. Give me understanding that I may live. We continue with our New Testament lesson. The find comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He is going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I've cheated anyone out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This is the word of the Lord.
Today in Luke 19, we consider Jesus' encounter with the tax collector Zacchaeus. Jesus is traveling through Jerusalem and passes through Jericho. There he encounters Zacchaeus, who is a chief tax collector. He wants to see Jesus. Jesus has so much reputation and he wants to see who this man is. But he's very short. Because of the crowd around him, he goes ahead and climbs into a sycamore tree, getting some height above the crowd, so that when Jesus passes by, he can see him. And so he encounters Jesus. Grace abounds in this encounter. A man dies and goes to heaven. Of course, St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. St. Peter says, Here's how it works. You need a hundred points to make it into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I will give you a certain number of points for each item, depending on how good it was. When you reach a hundred points, You get in. Okay, the man says. I was married to the same woman for 50 years and have always been faithful to her, even in my heart. That's wonderful, St. Peter says. That's worth three points. Three points, is that all, he says. Well, I attended church all my life and supported this ministry with my tithes and my service. Terrific says St. Peter, that's certainly worth a point. One point, golly, how about this? I started a group, a soup kitchen, in my city and worked in it as a shelter for homeless veterans. Fantastic. That's a good thing for two more points, he says. Two points, the man cries. At this rate, the only way I can get into heaven is by the grace of God. St. Peter says, come on in. Grace is amazing. It comes unrepentantly and undeservedly. It comes with no condition. It comes with no requirements. We learn several characteristics about grace from Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. One of the first traits we learn of God's grace is that it comes to those who do not deserve it. In Luke 19, we learn much about Zacchaeus and his reputation among the people. Zacchaeus sells out to Rome when he becomes a tax collector. In short, a profession he would have to pay Rome a stated amount for a certain territory in which he would collect the taxes for. Then, of course, he would collect more taxes than he had to pay for Rome, which would make him rich. He has given up his religion. He has stolen from the people. Anyone who sees him on the streets would have nothing to do with him. 
They wouldn't give him the time of day. They wouldn't give him anything outside of what he required of them from their taxes. And while Jesus passes through Jericho, he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree. He stops and calls out to him, Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to stay at your house today. The most hated man in town is a person with whom Jesus decides to eat dinner. Jesus invites himself into this sinner's home. And while in his home, Jesus offers him the grace of salvation. Sherry, a mother of three, aged 14, 12, and three, had her last class in sociology to take in order to complete her college degree. Her teacher was quite inspiring. Her last project of the term was called SMILE. The class was asked to go out into the community and smile at three people and then document their reaction. Sherry, a very friendly person who always smiled and thought this would be a piece of cake. Soon after the class received the assignment, Sherry, her husband, and the youngest son went out to McDonald's for a bite to eat. While waiting in line, all of a sudden, there was a commotion behind them. People were leaving the line, backing out the way, including Sherry's husband and son. But Sherry didn't know what was going on. So she turned around and smelt two dirty bodies behind her, two homeless men who had come in there to get a cup of coffee. And she smiled. And when they went up to the counter, the woman asked her, what can I get for you? And they said, two cups of coffee. And so they went back to the table and sat down and began their coffee. When Sherry got to the counter, after ordering her own food for her family, she said, give me two more breakfasts on a, on a separate tray. She took that to the two men who were homeless, sitting at the table. She took her hand and placed it on one of the men's and said, you might think this is from me, but it's from God. It's a way of sending you hope for your future. My that was undeserved, unexpected grace is what God gives to us throughout our lives. A second characteristic of grace is that God's grace can transform us. The grace Jesus extends to Zacchaeus that day in Jericho transforms him into a new person. Though everyone in town hated him and considered him an outcast, Jesus takes him under his care and eats with him. When someone sees worth in us, it usually changes us just from being the Lord's presence in his home. Zacchaeus realizes his own sinfulness 
He realizes that he's cheated people out of their money and also the poor. And so he life changes. The cost of his experience with God's grace in his life. John was born on 1725. His mother died when he was seven years old. At 11 years old, John became a seaman apprentice. Slowly he gave himself to the devil. He was determined to sin as much as he could. He was press-ganged into the Navy when he furthered rebelled. He finally deserted and later was captured like a common criminal and then beaten several times. John became involved in the African slave trade. In March of 1748, at age 23, John was on on board a cargo ship fighting for its life against heavy seas and rough weather. Worn out with pumping and almost frozen, John called out for the Lord's mercy at the height of the storm and was amazed to be saved from almost certain death. John's life had many twists and turns. At age 39, he became a minister and shared the gospel grace with others. But before his death, he decided to put his life story into verse. That verse has become the hymn, Amazing Grace, that we sung earlier today. John Newton had lived a godless and desolate life. But now all that was changed. He had become a new man in Christ. And it was God's grace that had done it. To the end of his long life, Newton never got over the wonder of what God had done for him. When he was very old, a friend asked John about his health. He admitted that his powers were failing and his memory had almost gone. But, he said, there are two things I can never forget. That I am a great sinner and that Jesus Christ is a great Savior. God's grace transforms lives. How has God's grace transformed our lives? What have we done differently when we accept and allow God's grace to rule and live within us? I wonder how our lives have changed since we've become part of the family of God and allow his spirit to direct us in our efforts. A third characteristic is responding to God's grace is irresistible. When Zacchaeus experiences the grace of God, the Lord in his visit in his home, He cannot keep himself from responding to it. God's grace is so wonderful and so undeserving that Zacchaeus can't help but respond to it. The evidence of his transformation is seen in his gift of half of his possessions to the poor. And a payback of four times whatever amount he may have taken illegally from anybody. His response through these actions 
reveal the grace that he experienced from Jesus. Max Lucado, an author and preacher, shares how he was, he has demonstrated grace to his parishioners. Sometimes he would give away money at the end of his sermon. He would offer to do this to make a point. He would offer a dollar to anybody who would want one. Free money, a gift to make a point. And so he invites anyone on these occasions to come forward and receive a dollar. Response is predictable. Some would pause. Some was shifting the feet. A wife elbows her husband and he shakes his head. A teen starts to stand and then she remembers her reputation. Finally, some courageous soul stands and says, I'll take it. The dollar is given and the application begins. Why didn't you take my offer? Max asks the rest of the congregation. Some say they were too embarrassed. The point wasn't worth the gain. Others formed a, a, a catch or a trick. Then there are those whose wallets are fat. And what's a dollar compared to hundreds? And then the obvious follow-up question. Why don't people accept Christ's free gift? The answers are similar. Some are too embarrassed to accept the forgiveness is to admit sin. A step we slow to take. Others fear a trick or a catch. The point makes itself. The grace is available to all. It's accepted by few. Many choose to sit and to wait, while only a few choose to stand and to trust. Usually that is at the end of it. However, on one Sunday, something happened that added a new dimension to his experience, this exercise. Myrtle was one of the ones who had said yes to the dollar. Max had made the offering, was waiting for a taken when she yelled, I'll take it. Up she popped to the front of the congregation, the sanctuary, to receive her dollar. She took her seat. Max made the point, and everyone went home. Max ran to her a few days later and kidded her about making money off his sermon. He asked her if she still had the dollar bill. No, she said. Did you spend it, he asked. No, I didn't. I gave it away, she said. When I returned to my seat after receiving the dollar from you, a youngster next to me asked if he could have it, and so I handed it to him. Isn't that something? As simply as she received, she gave. As easily as it came, it went. The boy didn't beg, and she didn't struggle. How could she? who had been given a gift, could not give a gift in return. 
I hope that you and I can follow the example. How are we responding to God's grace? In giving grace to others? In accepting what God has for us in our lives? I hope that this passage here today will have an impression upon us to lead us forward into God's grace. May we continue with our affirmation of faith. May we stand. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth in the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.